Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the morning walk. John Brandt here with you. Hope you're all safe and healthy, uh, both physically healthy and mentally healthy in these trying times. Um, it is, let's do the morning weather report. It is a little bit of blue sky, which is uh, wonderfully fitting uh, for my overall mood. Uh, still a fair bit of clouds, still stuff to deal with. It is uh, damp because there was a massive storm in our neighborhood last night. Uh, woke up all the children and so there was not much sleep to be had for the rest of us. But uh, the plants seem to love it. Uh, the birds are chirping and active. Um, it has broken up the overcast skies of the last two days and so you know what i'll take it and i am hoping that we see something similar from our covid 19 experience it is very overcast right now for some of us it is storming quite heavily as businesses uh, try and stay afloat or take the extreme measures that they have to take in terms of reducing their workforce or reducing their offerings or shuttering their doors entirely. Um, but my hope, genuine hope, as the car is rushed by, uh, is that this too shall lead to some blue sky ahead. That if anything else, uh, it will force all of us, both in our professional lives and our personal lives, to reevaluate uh, our priorities, what's really important, uh, what things we really care about, what things we really need versus things that really are luxuries that maybe uh, we had grown entitled to. And that as we inevitably come out of the other end of this experience and hopefully some sun shines through and we start to see opportunities to grow from better understanding and better perspective uh, in our personal and professional worlds. Um, it is, as I said, trying times. I'm sure it's trying times for uh, most, if not all, of you as well. Um, we are having the most serious of conversations uh, in my workplace. We are also having serious conversations uh, in my family trying to make sure that we got our priorities straight uh, and trying to walk that fine line of balance between what do we need today, uh, what can we afford today, and what do we need tomorrow uh, so that when this all passes, uh, we have not overcorrected and made an adjustment uh, out of fear that was too large or too severe to allow us to be healthy uh, once this passes. Um, as I've been in an increasing number of conversations along those lines where the tone has gotten fairly somber uh, and I look uh, at other people in the same meeting and see that everyone uh, is wearing down a bit. You can just see how the emotional toll is starting to set in uh, on some of the peers. Everybody on our team is amazing and, and doing a great job of maintaining positivity 
and keeping their energy up. But the reality is, this is tough. This is unprecedented uh, for us. And so it takes a lot of energy, right? There's plenty of studies, plenty of research, plenty of anecdotal evidence to say that situations in which you're facing the unknown simply require more energy than your routine, right? Part of um, the concept, if you've heard of it, there's a concept for 10,000 hours to mastery. The basic concept is if you want to master anything, the violin, uh, chess, abstract mathematics, um, you have to devote 10,000 hours into that process or working on that skill or working on that particular mindset. Um, there's some neurology behind it uh, that basically says 10,000 hours, roughly. Um, in those 10,000 hours, what's happening is that your mind, your literal brain, is slowly rewiring itself to match your need, right? Our bodies, um, frankly, abhor inefficiency, and so if you are constantly thinking about mathematics, as an example, um, there, the electrical impulses in your brain and the small bits of metal in your brain that allow those impulses to be conducted um, slowly get changed to where they become more efficient, right? If you're gonna tap into the math centers of your brain all the time, your brain wants that to take as little energy as possible and it's a long process, about 10,000 hours, um, but essentially that's what's happening. Your body's trying to get more efficient. And so things that we are accustomed to or thought processes that we are accustomed to, um, we quite literally adapt over time so that we don't have to spend as much energy uh, on those processes. Um, and when we face the unknown, we face uncertainty or we face thought processes with which we don't have familiarity, we haven't built that kind of internal uh, efficiency, it simply takes more effort. Uh, and so the effort is apparent um, for all of us, probably for all of you, um, that it's just sapping our energy a little more um, than normal uh, because so many questions are being asked for the first time and we don't have a playbook uh, to follow uh, for this particular situation. So on the theme of playbooks, uh, I have been kind of thinking back over my professional history. Um, I have had um, difficult situations before in business and personally, uh, and I've been trying to glean, you know, what lessons I could learn from those experiences that could help myself, my team, my company, my family uh, today. Um, and it led me to thinking specifically about uh, leaders uh, in my past, either leaders that I have worked for, meaning my bosses, or leaders that I have worked very closely with over my career and trying to pull out kind of nuggets of wisdom or lessons that I learned uh, from some of those leaders, and I thought I would share those with you this morning as I'm processing them myself. Um, the, the first for me, I worked for many years uh, for a company called GameStop. It's a specialty retailer in video games, 
and um, throughout my tenure there uh, worked for an amazing uh, manager Karen um, Karen really pushed me to succeed really was supportive of me um, but challenged me uh, every day I was very early in my management career kind of the young gun you know thought I was smarter than everybody else and you know gonna go win you know hero mentality which I did a podcast on two episodes back if you're interested in that um, and so Karen really taught me don't get ahead of yourself and I don't know that she ever said it in those words but my tendency was to see a directive such as something simple like we're going to redo the visual merchandising we're going to set up a different display um, and I would allow my brain to immediately go past it. Oh, what are we really trying to do? Well, we're really trying to push this particular product line, or we're really trying to, you know, amp up add-on sales. Or we're really trying to accomplish a bigger picture thing. Uh, and I would then try and act several steps ahead. And what that hap- what that resulted in frequently uh, was that. I was missing basics or my team was missing the basics. It wasn't that we were not hearing or receiving the instructions. Uh, We simply thought that we should be focused past the instructions. Karen uh, helped kind of retrain me a bit there to say, you know, by all means, try and understand the strategy. Try and understand, you know, what comes next and where this might be going but still get the job done, right? Don't, don't get ahead of yourself. Complete the instruction, complete the task at hand, complete it well, and then once that's done, great. Then if you have an opportunity to add value to it, uh, do that then, but not in replacement of covering the basics. Uh, so I have kind of held that concept with me. I really appreciate, you know, Karen providing me that guidance and helping me kind of improve my habits uh, that way. I still have a tendency to look five steps down the road and lose track of step number one, um, but I remind myself of the experience with her and uh, try and pull myself back and make sure that we're getting today's work done uh, before worrying about tomorrow's or next week's or next month's. Another work experience that I had was um, I worked for a college bookstore company actually uh, that was probably my first what I would call uh, professional management experience was with that company Um, and my first manager there uh, Dan was and still is uh, a friend of mine Um, great guy just awesome human being Um, very in touch with um, his team in touch with his customers, uh, just a, a genuinely warm uh, person. Um, and from Dan, what I really learned that was important in that warmth that he showed was there was always for me a very uh, impressive quality of the way in which Dan led both his team and kind of became a natural leader for his peers. And the way I have come to sum it up in my head is that really Dan taught me to learn about others 
before asking them to learn about you, right? It was, once again, very early in my career, I was full of ego and bluster, um, and a lot of times in that stage, I was trying to justify, you know, nobody knows how smart I am here, let me tell you how smart I am, um, rather than trying to understand the people around me, understand the unique qualities uh, of my teammates, of my peers, trying to understand the strengths uh, that everybody brought to the table and trying to understand uh, the opportunities that we had to help each other. Um, and Dan, I think, always did a great job of understanding the context of all of those people uh, and how he fit in. And so he was able to smoothly transition frequently between leading and following in different situations. And I think it's because he understood uh, where he really could bring his own strengths to bear to help the team uh, and in some places where maybe somebody else had um, a stronger position to provide that value and that he could, you know, be supported by them. And so, you know, those concepts of looking outward before you ask them to look at you um, I do my best to still hold to, um, particularly in crisis moments like this, is really got to spend some time trying to understand the thought process of my team, the thought process of my peers, what it is they're trying to accomplish uh, to make sure that we can work in harmony versus trying to shout over everybody to make sure that they hear me. Because uh, frankly, unless they want to hear you, it doesn't matter how loud your voice is. Uh, so I really appreciate those lessons from Dan and getting to see him kind of exhibit uh, that mentality on his own. Um, similar to Dan, when I started working in the fitness business, I worked for uh, a gentleman named Greg. Greg was a um, former military guy. He was a uh, Air Force pilot. He had seen combat and so you might expect um, you know with that kind of history of experience behind him that you would have a um, very grizzled kind of toughened uh, persona um, and that's not at all uh, the experience of working with Greg. Greg was another genuinely warm person but I think what I took away most from working with Greg is that Greg had a keen understanding and awareness of what his customers experienced and what they um, perceived when he wasn't around or when we weren't around. And so as a business owner, um, Greg had a keen eye for, you know, Let's keep it clean. Let's make sure the right information is in the right places. Let's make sure that our you know, processes work, especially for the customers when uh, there's not a manager in the building or when he as the owner wasn't in the building to oversee it himself. Because the reality is uh, he had several, and, and to this day has several um, very high performing fitness studios. And I think a large portion of the reason that his gyms were successful was because the staff was great to interact with, right? We genuinely liked and cared for our, um, our members. Um, but what really set us apart 
was that when members needed uh, to have a great experience without us there, because the model was a 24-7 model where there were people working out at 1 o'clock in the morning, 2 o'clock in the morning sometimes. Um, we were mindful of that. Make sure that everything is where it's supposed to be. Make sure that the equipment is maintained so that nobody has to deal with you know, those inconveniences when there's not a staff member there to help. And so I think that awareness of, you know, it's not only uh, the business when you are directly impacting or interacting with your customers, but all the other ways in which they can interact with you without your knowledge, right? The way I think about it today is I think about our website. I think about our uh, forms and they can fill out automated emails, anything that we're doing that could potentially be accessed or triggered, uh, or even sometimes when we are conducting uh, large-scale you know, interactions like one-to-many webinars or one-to-many training sessions, you know, we might not have the opportunity to get that feedback on the fly from every single person there. It doesn't mean that they aren't uh, having an experience um, that's important to the way they perceive us. And so being mindful of those things is really important uh, to building something that will, you know, sustain outside of your working hours, as it were. So I appreciate Greg's guidance there. Um, I think the other fitness owner that I worked with who uh, honestly could not have been more uh, diametrically opposed uh, to Greg, um, I worked for a young guy named Pavel. Pavel was a Czech-born and a professional cyclist. Uh, and when I met him and started working with him, he was still in his uh, early 20s. And Pavel's secret to success uh, really seemed to be that he always dreamed big. There was no uh, target too lofty uh, for him. When I first met him um, and was interviewed to join his team, um, he wanted to change the way that work was done. Not just who did it, not just hire a new manager, um, but he wanted a whole other way of working. He was starting a business. He wanted it to be self-governed. He wanted it to be, you know, no bosses, uh, minimal rules, uh, really elaborate, um, amazing experience for customers uh, with a bunch of passionate people working there. And the magic of Pavel really seemed to be that his dreams were big, they were lofty, um, but they were also uh, very specific. He had a very clear vision uh, of what that would look like when it happened. And while not all of those dreams uh, were successfully turned into reality, um, he was an inspiring person to work for, and you really found yourself thinking about the world in other ways. You found yourself thinking about um, what was possible or what uh, should be expected uh, differently when you're you know, talking with somebody who uh, genuinely just ignores uh, the standard view and, and plows ahead with a whole new mindset. And so uh, Pavel, well, the experience of working with Pavel was really um, 
helpful to me in that it kind of got me to think not only outside of the box, but sometimes off of the page entirely uh, and, and really set some lofty goals to work towards. Uh, so that was, that was a great uh, kind of a more expansive approach. Um, from Pavel, I got to meet a technology company uh, that essentially I'm still with today, although uh, it's because we were acquired and now I'm with that company. Um, but the founder uh, of that company, or co-founder, uh, Monica, was uh, a brilliant um, Italian daughter of an accountant. She was a lawyer in her own right. She was just, you know, uh, had a level of intelligence about strategy and about the marketplace and whatnot that I really admired. Um, but Monica really pushed me as her operator, right? And I, that's what I was hired to do was to come and help them create uh, scalable processes and sustainable uh, operational infrastructure. And my tendency at the time was to try and create processes that were foolproof, couldn't be broken, uh, that you just needed to kind of click the next button and go. Um, and Monica really pushed back on me uh, in several instances and said, hey, processes don't replace talent, right? You gotta, you gotta trust that your people are going to be able to make some good decisions. You gotta trust that your people can be creative problem solvers, that they can um, make leaps uh, in the logic as long as they're supported correctly and kind of given the correct targets. And so the tendency to overcomplicate processes by um, trying to make them foolproof, trying to make them, you know, work in every possible scenario uh, really wasn't conducive uh, to ongoing rapid change. It also wasn't conducive to the small business environment that we were in all of the time. Uh, we certainly had a ton of success in that environment. Obviously, we, you know, we were purchased and we grew. Um, but I do have Monica's ears, her words kind of ring in my ears occasionally as I'm sitting down to work on some process engineering where she says, hey, if you have the right people, um, then you shouldn't have to make it foolproof because foolproof implies that you have a bunch of fools working for you, <laughs> right? So the process and the people are both important, um, but one can't entirely overrule the other. And I appreciate her, you know, kind of pushing me um, outside of that mentality. Um, most recently, I've had a couple leaders. Uh, I feel very fortunate with the leadership that I've had uh, at my current company. Uh, in particular, I worked for a while as an analyst um, with a guy, uh, Brandon. Brandon was a um, baseball player uh, before becoming very successful uh, operations uh, executive. He's a um, really uh, intelligent guy, very um, methodical, has a process, understands best practices, and very quickly absorbs uh, information. And with Brandon, what impressed me, and I, and I tried to emulate some, is that um, for things that we did frequently, one-on-one -on -one meetings or team meetings or um, the way we laid out OKRs or things that were essentially ongoing processes, uh, we really focused on 
consistency. Everybody on his team essentially did those things the same way uh, so that we got consistent results. And really that's kind of my takeaway is that a consistent approach uh, is necessary for consistent results. And when you manage a team as large as the one that he had where you have uh, multiple managers, a lot of direct reports, a lot of complexity, um, creating consistency in the right places is really important to efficiency and to being able to uh, kind of keep the workload going um, on a steady basis, right? And so I always knew when I got to talk with Brandon uh, that I would have the opportunity to get the support that I needed uh, because we had a framework that we worked in. We had a steady process. Uh, and so I really appreciate that. And I've tried to emulate that uh, with my team as I go on. Um, another uh, great guy, not with the company anymore, uh, but really uh, a wonderful mentor. Mark um, was, you know, kind of a guiding light for me uh, early on in a number of different ways. But the biggest thing uh, that was impressive to me about Mark was that Mark um, kind of taught me not to ignore your gut, right? Sometimes it's easy to get too lost in the numbers and the data and the graphs and the charts and all those sorts of things uh, and miss, um, you know, that gut instinct that says, hey, maybe this isn't leading us down the right path or, hey, maybe there's a better way to approach this, um, you know, Mark was somebody who uh, I would put together a whole bunch of data and a fancy PowerPoint slide and I'd present it to Mark and Mark would look at it and he'd always be appreciative of the work and appreciative of the time and effort that was put into it, um, but wasn't afraid to say, it just doesn't feel right. It just doesn't, you know, what about uh, this other question that it might have spawned? Let's talk about those things. Let's make sure that our gut instinct um, backs up kind of what all of the analysis is telling us. Uh, and so I appreciate, you know, that Mark, um, honestly, uh, I quite honestly probably wouldn't be at the company still if it weren't for Mark um, trusting his gut in the face of uh, evidence, as it were, or at least data, as it were, that seemed to show uh, that something was happening that really was not uh, right. Him, him trusting his gut and stopping and asking more questions as instrumental uh, to guiding me and also to, you know, to the role that I'm in now. Uh, and then finally, my, you know, my current boss, uh, Jeff, has been uh, uh, quite a, a surprise, honestly. When uh, There's a lot of ways in which Jeff and I uh, approach things differently. Our personalities uh, are, are pretty different. Um, but as I've been able to kind of peel away layers, um, we are both keen operators, you know, really want the best for people, really want uh, to create an a, a environment which is world-class uh, for our teams and our customers. And, and with Jeff, the thing that he keeps saying, uh, and I know he fully believes, and I uh, increasingly uh, buy into and try and set myself and my team up for is that you can have great culture and great results at the same time. You don't have to be in an environment where everybody loves to work, but nothing's getting done because it's playtime all the time. You also don't have to be, you know, a Elizabethan workshop where everyone is working, you know, 20 hour days and, and, you know, just grinding themselves to dust with no pleasure involved. There is a, 
a way in which you can get both results and an amazing engaged workforce at the same time. And it's certainly not easy, right? It's a lot to balance. It's a lot of consideration. You gotta keep those things in mind at all times. Uh, and if the pendulum swings too far for my thinking one direction, uh, Jeff does a great job of bringing me back and saying, yeah, well, you're doing some great culture stuff here, but how can we get more performance? Or yeah, I see how that's gonna drive you know, performance, but how are your people gonna feel? Uh, about actually having to do that. Uh, and so that guidance has been great and it's ongoing. And I think uh, honestly is driving me to be a better manager overall. So my hope is that sharing those lessons with you, um, many of them maybe, hopefully you've had the opportunity to learn for yourself or have somebody uh, in your experience who has kind of guided you to some of that wisdom uh, those are the things that are top of mind for me right now. Uh, I am trying to uh, implement them kind of as we go through this time of crisis. Um, and, you know, the kind of eight, eight fundamental kind of nuggets of knowledge. Um, don't get ahead of yourself. Learn about others before asking them to learn about you. Know what your customers experience when you aren't there to observe it. Processes don't replace talent, but dream big. A consistent approach leads to consistent results. Don't ignore your gut. And remember, you can drive great culture and great results at the same time. So, sun is shining bright now. Clouds have kind of moved away. It's a bright blue sky. I hope that's the experience that you are having as well. And to all of you, stay healthy, stay happy. And if you're in business, try to stay profitable. Have a great day.